Am I a podcast? Am I a fucking podcast? She's all that. Let's go to next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today, that is myself. I don't know about you, Tommy. Uh, I have seen She's All That before. Uh, so we're yeah. actually still, uh, recovering this movie on its 25th anniversary, which is today, uh, January 29th. When we're recording so. the podcast, when it came out. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Uh, pretty crazy here. Definitely... One of those uh, rom-coms that gets talked about a lot by people that are like 10 years older than us is like yeah. <laughs> one of the definitive rom-coms of all time. And after seeing it, we'll we'll digress and discuss and, you know, scalpel and dive You've in. Seen... And we'll really find out if, if it is truly one of the best rom-coms ever. Yeah. <laughs> Hopes are high. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to dissect. Hopes are high, I guess, if, if you say so, Tommy. Yeah. But, um, you know, this is from the director of From Justin to Kelly. I don't know if you remember that iconic film. An auteur. <laughs> He's an auteur when you really think about it. <laughs> yeah. um, but before we go into She's All That, Tommy, why don't you tell me a movie that you've seen recently? Uh, well, speaking of some of the who- that's all that, uh, Emma Stone, uh, I saw Poor Things uh, over the weekend. I need to go it see was... that still. Yeah, it was uh, good to knock a movie off my Oscar bucket list, and I was really, really glad to see it. It had like a just perfect little like creepy Frankenstein undertone to it throughout the whole entire movie. And Emma Stone was just hilarious playing a character that like essentially is just a baby going into the new world and experiencing life for the first time. And she just has such great physical comedic energy throughout the whole entire movie and just a sense of wonder and joy um, through the through line of it. It was really enjoyable. I'm really glad to see that Mark Ruffalo played just the perfect little scummy uh, douchebag, too. So it was a great combination. <laughs> yeah, that I've, I'm really excited to see that. I want to see Zone of Interest and The Holdovers are the three that I still have not gotten around to seeing yet. But I, I definitely mm-hmm. want to see those in theaters before they they shuffle on out of there. Uh, I guess for me, I, I, I had uh, some tooth illness uh, last week. And I put on... My go-to sick day movie, which is <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back, uh, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, which in my opinion is definitively the best Star Wars film. I don't think it's kind of close even. Um, I love that movie. I think just the way that it, it built off of that world separated the characters and then like the influence of that movie is still felt in star wars today like they basically use all the information from that and kind of build off of off of that movie um there and it's just it's shot so beautifully i have my 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 declassified blu-ray edition of of star the original you always gotta flex that (laughs) i gotta flex that uh for the people who uh have a life and aren't aware of ridiculously nerdy things um, there's special editions of Star Wars, and then there's like the original theatrical releases, and there's a group of nerds online who have committed 
decades to this at this point of their life to getting as high quality um, recreation of the original prints because George Lucas will not release the original theatrical prints, which is a whole nother debate on itself. I could probably go That's on for an hour, but, <laughs> but we don't we don't need another Tim tangent like that here today, uh, especially if we're covering She's All That. But, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time, definitively one of the greatest movies ever made, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's always nice to every year or two to jump back into that one and just kind of recapture the magic that that Disney s- trademark, Star Wars trademark <laughs> have been trying to capture for the past uh, eight years or so and have not come anywhere close to it. Um, yeah, I actually revisited Return of the Jedi over the weekend too. And um, that was in 4K and the 4K transfer was incredible. So it was really good to see. I mean, I don't mind as much some of the changes George Lucas has done. I mean, some of them sometimes can be for the better. I think with Empire, it's the least egregious. Uh, the yeah, Empire is easily, easily the, that was also the one he had like the least involvement in. Um, yeah, which makes sense. <laughs> I, I think it's just Irving Kirshner was in it. <laughs> yeah, he's the director of it. And this is when yeah. George Lucas is like truly setting up Lucasfilm to become like the merchandise empire that it becomes. You know, I think it's just a question of film preservation. And it goes back to that Ted Turner debate when films like It's a Wonderful Life have a colorized version. And what was the director's original intent and what did they release and how the audience connected with it? And should that version of the film be available? to you um and whether or not it's there and i think it's like the defining example of that i probably yeah. six or seven years ago i'd be much more hot-headed about it now i'm much more like we're a anti-snatter cut podcast so in more ways than one <laughs> well it, give this at least you can still get the joss whedon cut of the of the, <laughs> the original justice league yeah. if you if you really really <laughs> really hate yourself, hate yourself. Yeah, uh, you can dive back into that one if you want. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, but hey, different strokes for different folks. But this is She's All That. Gentlemen, we have a winner. She's All That is America's number one comedy. In a way that is so sweet. And the critics love it too. That's no joke. These men are professionals. The LA Times raves. It's a total delight that spans generations in its appeal. Bam. Smart, funny, and charming. I feel just like Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman, except for that whole hooker thing. A comedy breakthrough. You know what I'm talking about. She's All That. Rated PG-13. Now playing everywhere. Yeah, so she's all that. It's a 1999 American teen romantic comedy. And it, after being dumped by his girlfriend, Zach Seiler, boasts he could make any woman, girl at his high school popular. He goes for the least popular girl, Lainey. Uh, it's <laughs> a, you know, it's a modern adaptation of uh, Pigmylan and the and the film My Fair Lady. Um, it's kind of a trope, I feel like at this point, uh, the, the zero to hero so. in terms of like the one side to the other. Well, well, especially the, like, uh, not another teen movie pretty much just took this movie and ate it to lunch. Uh, cause that's just a complete parody of this. Um, but the whole like cliche of like, wait, she took off her glasses and now she's hot. Like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's a scene where they're at the beach and the, the, they're, she's like in her bathing suit and she just has glasses on and like, 
They're all like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then she just like takes the, they they have the makeup sequence uh, before they go into the big party and, you know, and like the whole music and everything with a nice playful stumble off the, uh, the stairs there. But it's like, oh my God, she looks so, oh my God, who knew, who knew? And I, I, I even saw the director said, it's like, well, of course you're going to have to cast a pretty girl in the leading role. (laughs) Like, how can you not? Um, Yeah. It's like you try to ugly her down as much as possible. I think that there's like a little bit of believability within this where it's like, it's not that she's ugly. It's just that she's just like very, um, she puts up a front. Um, yeah, she's very def- yeah, she's a very defensive front, um, which stems yeah. from her mother dying um, and being like a tortured artist. Uh, I, I feel like this movie definitely had its mean moments, like. <laughs> when the girls were watching Lainey paint her thing, like the two other girls in there being like, we were talking about like, you have some really dark stuff, like, you know, and most artists aren't really appreciated until they're dead. So maybe you should just kill yourself. I was like, oh, okay. That's, that's an ag- aggressive way to, to like <laughs> introduce cr- your character. Like kind of cool. Yeah. It's just like that. Even the goth girls hate this girl, and uh, of course, like this movie had such a '90s cast. Like that's Clay Duvall is one of the goths. She's the goth in like every '90s teen movie, and then like we have Matthew Lillard even popping up, who I think was fucking like hilarious, even though he's not necessary at all towards the plot whatsoever. Yeah, he he was definitely fun. I, I guess let's kick it off here because I I had one like note written down from this movie, and it took <laughs> yeah, place not a big in, no movie, <laughs> and it, it took place in the first. 10 minutes of this movie and i was like oh i don't know who robert Icecove is but he is cooking because the first 10 minutes of this movie is visually so engaging for such like a little like such a generic story right like there's a lot of dolly shots and like it's made to feel like a, a continuous one take as we watch mm-hmm. zach arrive to the to the high school there and I love how it like we don't see his face, uh, which is played by Freddie Prince Jr. Till he's looking at himself as the the class president and like like pumping himself up, and then you get like the the star shot into it. And I was like, okay, okay, all right, we're 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 working here. Like I'm really liking where this is going. And then the inciting incident happens where his girlfriend Taylor meets Matthew Lillard's character at spring break, and they hooked up, and you know they're ending it. And the way that they showed it was mm. they brought the pool party to the high school. And it yes. was just a transition, uh, you know, it was just a quick movement of the, the camera over and you're in the party. And I'm like, okay, we're like, we're like, okay. <laughs> you're, I, you're, I, you're locked in. I'm, <laughs> you're I'm like, like locked yeah. in here. <laughs> and then it doesn't, the movie doesn't try to do anything cool like that again for the rest of the movie. It just kind of. There's be- like maybe one one other scene I can think of, but I, I, it doesn't stand up. But yeah, it, originally this movie just had a striking cinematography and just like very fun, snippy uh, high school comedy. What's insane to think about this, um, you know, this movie is like so beloved by a certain generation, like people a little bit older than us, like you said, because this movie made a hundred million dollars at the box office, which I couldn't imagine a movie like this making that much money today. Like, and spe- well, it just would go on streaming, uh, yeah, right away. I mean, and and a January release. And if you don't know what Hollywood does historically in January with their movies, these are the movies that they've come to realize probably suck. So let's yeah. just <laughs> throw them into the. Because you're going to have your mix of like your Oscars, your late December block, which just kind of throw them into theaters and let them 
die a death. Like The Beekeeper, for example. That's a perfect January movie. <laughs> a great January movie. <laughs> perfect January movie. And and this one just kind of blew all expectations out of the water. Um, I, it was I, so influential that like that song "Kiss Me" when she's walking down the stairs of like her reveal, like "Oh here I'm I'm hot now." It was like a number one or number two song. That, it was number two on the Billboard Hot 100 for like sixteen straight week, uh, weeks on the top ten. So just like this movie was a sensation, people just were obsessed with it for a movie that like I think overall. It's charming, but not like spectacular. <laughs> no, it, it, it's definitely charming. And like ever, I feel like that's like the default of any good rom-com is going <laughs> to have it's it's a charming movie, right? Like you can't have an a rom-com work and for it to not be charming or, you know, <laughs> have that little charm to it. I, I feel like it just kind of captures the the ni- the 90s like the especially that late 90s period just so well mm. like just like the 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 costumes like what everybody's wearing the music that's played underneath it like the whole popularity contest kind of thing feels very late 90s i mean um, the fact that they have a uh, funk soul brother as the, the prom dance song choreographed it yeah. just screams 90s right there there's uh, also there's one a... dude in that sequence who just had like spiked blonde hair but just like yes. And I, my eyes were on that guy the entire time because I was just like, that is the most ridiculous 90s haircut. Because you don't know <laughs> if this guy is like a raver or if he's like a member of Insane Clown Posse. Like, you really don't know <laughs> both could be where true. this guy stands. And both could be true, to be honest there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a certain there's certainly nostalgia for us i mean like we were obviously like, uh little kids when this movie came out like i think i was like five years old or something so but there's still, still a certain charm of like this is how i feel like the 90s was between like this and um what american pie was the same year as this um just like a few months later yeah this and... has a much more family friendly yeah yeah exactly uh american pie I, I feel like american pie um i still find it hilarious but i understand that there's parts of that movie that uh have not aged well to say the least. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't even say they haven't aged well. It's just like people don't want that in their movies anymore. I, I, I still think it's a very funny movie. I just think like you can't get away with like, oh, we're going to broadcast this girl getting naked to everybody on my webcam. It's like, oh, yeah, no, that that's not cool. That's a crime, <laughs> that's a crime. brother. That's a crime, brother. <laughs> yeah, nowadays that movie that with Jason Biggs in jail. <laughs> yeah, that's something. <laughs> That's but not... uh, this movie has like a little nicer charm. I mean, this is going off a run of, I think the 90s had like the last batch of just incredible teen movies because like we had like super bad for our generation. But I feel like that was when the teen movies slowly started to die off and moved a little bit more towards Netflix and streaming, right? When you hit the peak, when you make something that just can't be beaten, like super bad, yeah. yeah. it's <laughs> very uh, easy because I think the just to go on my super bad tangent because we're never going to be able to find somebody that hasn't seen it and watch it on oh air. i'm sure <laughs> but the my thing with super bad is that it there's the soundtrack of that movie uh just makes it timeless like like there's nothing mm. outside of like the, i guess the cell phones really that like put it in a specific place in time and it's still in that era of like not always being connected to a social media platform like like it just takes away tension and it just tells a much different story when you're talking about like communicating online versus like communicate, you know, communicating in person, which better stood out in a movie when it's like the only other form of communication is like a telephone call, you know? 
Yeah. Um, so uh, unlike the movie we're covering right now, where she's all that just screams a certain decade like, uh, over and yeah. over and over again. I mean, I love the fact that Usher just pops up and just like is like the campus DJ, which like apparently is a thing for some high schools where all his uh, his whole role is to narrate the movie and like no one question it. <laughs> Yeah, he he was just on. He was just the DJ the whole movie. It was pretty crazy. (laughs) I mean, speaking like this cast has a pretty crazy cast. Um, And I think the the crazy thing is, is that your lead, Freddie Prince Jr. is probably like in terms of like their fame level, like nowhere near the level of some of these others. Uh, You know, Matthew Lillard, who I feel Mm. he's 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 just a great support character. Like he's just always going to be great in that number two role in a movie. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, Paul Walker, who you know, unfortunately, R.I.P., but went on to become massive in the Fast and the Furious franchise. You had Rachel Lee Cook, who's playing Lacey Usher's in there. Little Kim is in this movie, and then a young Kieran Culkin, who is probably, which is funny enough, probably the at this very moment the biggest star in this movie. Not at the time, but in the yeah. year 2024, who Kieran Culkin, who just won an Emmy for his portrayal of uh of roman in hbo succession Session. and he's probably the biggest star now at this point like it's pretty crazy like like the cast well, that's in here some things are circular right now because you know 25 years later we're having usher uh host a super bowl halftime show in what, like a couple yeah. weeks and he's, so, he's yeah, like, that too he's the but, perfect uh, guy were you expecting to do it in Kier- vegas yeah were you expecting at all kieran coca to show up in this movie when you saw a credit be like wait mm, what <laughs> no i had no clue um <laughs> and, and he's like a charming kid actor. I mean, it's one of those things like the whole uh, the whole Culkin family in general, I think, is like that. But there's a thing where that role could easily just be like a grating, annoying, snotty kid where it's just like, oh, God, the fucking annoying little younger brother. Instead, he has like a little just like younger brother charm to him. <laughs> yeah, him him and Zach like build out like a cool little repertoire. Because um, I, I think like the core, I guess, issue is because Lainey has her guard up so high in this movie. Mm-hmm. and zach who is going after her as a bet but you know s- slowly starts to realize she's a real person and that he actually like cares for her mm-hmm. um when nobody knows that it's a bet like like her like laney's dad laney's brother like this guy's awesome and he's into you why are you just dismissing any advance this guy makes on you where it, you know it, he invites him in to play sega and i'm like oh okay we're that's like that's that like, felt like a dated reference by 99 yeah that felt like again that, that felt like a dated <laughs> reference by 99 as well that's like a 90, 1991 reference right there let's play genesis <laughs> yeah um and uh yeah he he's just charming and uh, like the part where he stood up to the bully who was the the uh the sherman i the shermanator popping up for one scene he checked was of the of the gross of the gross out scene they, of course really, he was the they include that scene apparently just to uh, like attract like a male audience, where it's just like, all right, come on, guys, there's gonna be some funny stuff with this too. It's not all gonna be rom com. Yeah, that, <laughs> bla- that is blatantly '90s right there. Like, no, yeah. we're gonna have our gross out moments. Of course, we are. Where he is teasing, <laughs> um, busted out your Harvey Weinstein impersonation because he uh, did a lot on this movie. <laughs> yeah, where, where he's going after Simon Kieran Culkin's character and, and like trying to show him a, a booby magazine and and put his uh, his hair from below uh, in a friendly family friendly way uh, onto his pizza and Zach catches him and and makes the bullies eat it um, and then yeah. Sherman just just jumps in front of like the couple's proms pictures like one of the random couple's prom pictures and like 
that was it. And it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty wild. I mean, even, I mean, we didn't even talk about it, but Dooley Hill, who's, you know, he's really famous from the, uh, the West wing, uh, you know, mm. he's also in this movie. Like, it, it's just kind of like a, a, a pretty like killer cast of, of people mm. that, that, that really went on to have like pretty great careers. I mean, uh, apparently Sarah Michelle Geller was in this for uh, she was she was in one scene where uh, Kieran Culkin's going around with Pepper and being like, "Oh, do you want Pepper?" Yeah, and she's just like she's just and there. She just looks at him because <laughs> uh, this was this is high school is a high school that was uh, filmed in so many different other shows, um, like you know nine one zero two one zero filmed here. Buffett and Vampire uh, film there. One of your favorites, uh, yeah. The Buffett and Vampire Slayer film there. Sarah Michelle Geller, yeah. And uh, even not another teen movie, they filmed there too, as a year later, appearing in this movie. Um, so, how do you feel about the script in general in this movie? Um, do you think it was okay or formulaic? Rom coms are like rom coms are kind of always formulaic, but like that's yes. kind of their charm. Like I guess their charm, if you will. Yeah. Um, it was really amusing seeing people use pagers. Like that yeah. was the crazy. Well, that was um, pretty you- crazy. Uh, would you ever guess who wrote the script? Who did a ghostwrite of the script? Actually, I am Night Shyamalan. I was looking at yeah. that before we <laughs> we recorded there. Uh, yeah, apparently he did like a solid re- uh, relight. He made it deeper. He made the characters richer, and um, and he pretty much just like made the whole rewrite that got the film greenlit. And uh, for years he just wasn't credited at all in the film. Apparently he uh, wrote the lines like, "Am I a bet? Am I a fucking bet?" That we said at the beginning of the podcast. So you can see a little bit because there is like a little bit more depth, uh, a little to the characters than it is in like a typical teen movie. Yeah, slightly. I feel like it's when it's the. I think like the big moment is like the conflict with where I could see it being spruced up is the conflict with Lainey, like their internal conflicts, Zach and Lainey's conflicts, where Zach can pick his litter of the school, but he really feels like his dad wants him to follow in his footsteps at Dartmouth, live his own you know relive his glory years and laney is just struggling you know coping with the the death of her mother who passed from leukemia um and then there's that really great moment in the basement where they have the the kiss fake out uh down there um where he sees one of her paintings and they kind of talk about it and that feels like Mm -hmm. something that maybe just m night Shyamalan just wrote just to like kind of give the characters a little more depth uh Mm -hmm. and, and like allow people to connect to them more which i definitely feel like that's the one scene in the movie that allows you to connect to both of them. I feel like the rest of it all feels like zany one-liner rom-com mm-hmm. kind of back and forth flowy dialogue. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, so we've now covered about like two Rachel Lee Cook movies. I think the only two we worth talking about um, between this and Josie and the Pussycats. How do you feel about her? Do you see why she, I feel like she was almost destined to be a fucking movie star. And then Josie just bombed so badly that, just never recover from there which is tragic what, what do you think about her in this <laughs> I, I think she's great she's definitely got charm you know she's definitely very charming uh definitely i feel like she plays the guard like the guarded really well um mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean josie bombing but jo- jo- like i remember us talking about josie in and of itself josie is one of those movies that um she like that movie was needed to come out like five years later you yeah. know, it, it just came out at the exact wrong time for an audience to connect with it. It was way too cynical for that America at that point in time uh, and just mm-hmm. too over the top with its cynicism. Um, but yeah, well, in, I, the, in I, this movie, I, I, um, in this movie, I felt like overall, she just felt like she played a good dual role 
Whereas obviously, like, you know, she doesn't change like drastically by the end of the movie, but like she gives off a little more confident and like po- poise and stuff like that. Where when you kind of buy in the beginning of the movie that like no one wants to be friends with her because she just like has this huge force field around here the whole time. You know, I'm looking at a picture of her in the beginning of the movie when she's supposed to be like, you know, ugly quotation marks, but they kind of sound like a Clark Kent kind of way, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does, you know, I, I and I, I kind of just wink wink at the movie like i, I get yeah. it like you, <laughs> what are you gonna do you, you know, exactly. it's not another team movie it's like you, oh she she wears glasses not you, her you, you you i mean you put on your producing hat and you go okay well we're gonna put a co-star here she has to be genuinely good looking and then then but we need her to be ugly so it's just like okay glasses like baggy clothes like ridiculous costumes like she works at the the taco shop or whatever and she's got that that silly little hat on her head uh that's where that all kind of comes into versus like like again it's it's what are you gonna do i I, in terms of her like star power i i i don't know i i think it maybe if josie took off it looks different but like kind of looking at her filmography um you know after you, you know josie it's tangled 29 palm book like nothing really big i i've really found that like with the movie stars it's like it, when you try to go genre it, you need to have like a period of like really good dramatic work i feel like and just like the people that that have like a hit rom-com and things where it's like oh i see the star potential they just never got the opportunity to show off dramatic chops because once you show off dramatic chops you can kind of do anything well even like Frey prince jr like he had a little bit of a run um for like you know a couple of years where he had the scooby-doo movie he had like i know what you did last summer movies which i wouldn't say that he was like the standout part of those and then he was in like wing commander or something like that but again like um he had a little bit more of a chance to burn, uh run but i feel like sometimes in like the way hollywood works if you're an actor you can recover from a bomb a lot better than you are if you're an actress where at that point just like oh no one gives a shit about her just move on yeah to well and especially uh, a movie like josie which is three female leads versus yeah. like a male and a female lead um and you're putting the weight on and it's just like oh she she can't handle that that weight so we shouldn't do that which is is silly because there's just so much more that that goes into it um so i feel like the the central conflict of it we haven't talked about too much it's that um Paul Walker, yeah, the bet. Paul Walker's character Dean um, makes a bet with uh, with Zach that he can't turn uh, anybody into a popular girl. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Paul Walker's character was like really slimy in this. Like <laughs> he has like kind of one note. I don't think the Paul Walker. I mean, like I, I feel bad. Like you know, I'm still uh, he's dead and all, but he he's ever a good actor. Especially in this movie, he's just kind of one note, just douchebag. I mean, he plays the role, but it's just not like any depth to him. His character is essentially to be there to be like, "Hey, man, you know, she's actually kind of hot." Yeah, she's that. It's kind of hot, and then and then um, then he tells Lainey about the bet, and then he's like, shows up at the house, being like, "Come on, we'll we'll just have fun. I just want you to go out and have a good time." And then then we see him <laughs> next bragging in the bathroom, being like, "Spent three hundred bucks." uh 300 bucks for this hotel room tonight okay yeah i'm gonna totally do it with her and then um her friend uh you know is the guy in the bathroom stall obviously and yeah and and, uh you know tells zach and zach chasers down and then there's no resolution to it 
and, and, and he's just at the then he's just at the house and she shows up and she's like yeah i could tell his advances were coming i i fought them off and i had a foghorn and i was like okay like i feel like and one of those script disconnects where it's like why wouldn't he go after Lainey and be like, hey, Lainey, can I talk to you really quick? Yeah, I overheard him talking in the bathroom. You probably don't want to go home with him. Why did he have to go run and tell Zach? Like, it felt very odd that he was telling, like, the wrong person this information. <laughs> yeah, like, forget my friend. Like, whatever, I'm not going to be able to help her right there. But, like, yeah, Zach can help it uh, come out or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, Again, one, one of those where I go, like, I, I get it, but then, like, there was no, like, resolution where they get into a fist fight in a hotel parking lot or whatever, you know, s something. It's just, like, they we show up at Lainey's house, and then <laughs> Dad's like, okay, we're going to go up to bed, Kieran Culkin, now. Uh, there's someone in the room you might want to talk to really quick, and Zach's standing there now. So, <laughs> no, like, for God's sakes, just date Brady Prince Jr. already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the moment where... The, ki the kiss is about to happen and then you go out into the yeah. backyard and it's got the lights and the view and everything and you're like yeah i mean this is cute this is nice this is this <laughs> yeah. is what you want out of uh this movie's like a hot chocolate in a way <laughs> yeah it, it's a little uh, bit like a hot chocolate i feel like um so but, how do you feel about the real world uh, with matthew Lillard in, in general that's the most is... i've seen of the real world the only other real world <laughs> reference i know is from community when jeff winger uh runs for class president and Annie pulls out his real world audition tape and yeah. that's like all I like oh I, we were way too late for the real world that that literally was like a, a cultural phenomenon uh but it just went completely over our heads I mean nowadays I'd probably be like he'd be like a TikTok star I mean they did make remake a remake called he's all that <laughs> yeah and it I, I was reading the premise of it and it's like tick she's a, the girl's going to make the zero to the hero now the guy make the guy the zero to the hero and and she's a TikTok star now. I just read that first sentence, and I was like, "Yeah, not for me." <laughs> yeah, uh, the actress is a TikTok star too, but uh, Rachel Lee Cook is. <laughs> but uh, Matthew Lillard, I mean, like the whole fact of the real world just being a cultural phenomenon is just hilarious to me. In this whole thing, where it's just like, "Oh, fun! He's the MTV Music Spring Big host." Just <laughs> that's how day of the movie just feels more and more. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was almost cool that like it's like a cultural like wreckage you know like now like yeah. all spring break coverage is just like angry fox news people who yeah. show up there and being like can you believe 19 year olds are getting drunk like this on the beach and i'm like yeah yes <laughs> you've been you probably did the same thing when you were 19 uh and instead of having like mtv you wonder why mtv's gone into the ground they just show the uh they just, i think they just show, that's like the only show they air on mtv now it's <laughs> yeah. just that show Versus like, oh, like we're going to have some of the hottest stars at spring break in Cancun or whatever. And it like, that's cool. But I guess like also who's watching that now? You know, like nobody's watching that. No, well, no, nobody our age like uh, or like younger cares about fucking cable TV anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're we are like I always say our age group is like the bastion of the old and the new. Yeah. <laughs> it, like like this very we'll, weird we'll, point we'll in tell time the kids. where where we grew up with the old and watched the new come in and just eviscerate the old. Um, yeah. So, like back in my day, we had to wait for movies to come on HBO and hope that was the movie we wanted to watch. <laughs> yeah. We or go to blockbuster and rent it. <laughs> I am a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. All right, Tommy, who do you think is the star of the movie? Who who gives the best performance in your I estimation? think that 
overall, Rachel Lee Cook, I think, is the star of this movie. I mean, she is all that. Uh, but no, um, literally, Freddie Prince Jr., I mean, he's fun. He's charming in this movie, but like he doesn't do anything that like super stands out. It's kind of just like, uh, you know, not the b- biggest role in, in general, whereas Rachel Lee Cook gets to play like essentially two parts throughout this movie. You get to see her go through an actual character arc. And I think she plays the dual duality of her role like really well. And um, she did have a movie star moment with the whole like kiss me uh, scene. Yeah, <laughs> she de- she's, she's definitely the one that has the most movie star moment in this movie. Uh, and I would agree with you that it's her. Her character is the one that you, you kind of pull for and support with. Like we get the really get a dive into her family, her life much more than Zach. And Freddie Prince Jr. is very good in this too. You know, Matthew Lillard. He, he plays a mean hacky sack. How do you feel about that? <laughs> that was a, that was some silly <laughs> 90s nonsense and i love we watched this like what the fuck am i watching right now i i just i was just like this is some silly 90s nonsense and i love it right <laughs> now where he, he just does like some hacky sack non like like the performance art thing and the crowd actually goes for it and i'm just like okay sure yeah Sure, I'm in. Sure, I'm in. I'm in 90s. Back in the 90s, Hacky Sack was amazing. It was incredible. (laughs) Don't diss it. The sack was all the rage, man. Um, (laughs) It's all about the sack. It was all, (laughs) you know, all about the sack. Um, Yeah. But yeah, really good performances all around, I feel like. It definitely helps carry the weight of the movie, but it just needs, but it was just, uh, you know, Rachel Lee Cook and Lainey's character is the one that really stood out. Me. It could it could have been like an even worse uh, version of this movie it would be like if um like you know the person who played Rachel Lee Cook's character Lainey was just like so unbelievable in the beginning I was like how could anyone not want to be with her immediately <laughs> if like yeah. it, was, if it, it comes like more rare... from like the performance of like her guard always being up and not open to anybody else except for her brother and her one friend uh, and watching that kind of slowly pan away like which makes for like a cooler transformation versus it just being like zero to hero looks wise yeah yeah i, I could imagine like a version of this where it's like megan fox as the roller like that. be like what <laughs> yeah and you're like okay she would already be the prom queen <laughs> yeah okay sure whatever you say yeah well i i feel like that character it's always going to need a, like a girl's neck girl next door vibe versus like Victoria's yeah. versus Victoria's Secret model. Like you can't cast <laughs> the Victoria's Secret model in the zero to hero. You need to you need to cast the girl next door. Yeah. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. All right, Tommy Wood. She's all that work as a Muppet adaptation. Um, waka waka. I think yes. You could easily just do like a. Muppet adaptation where you keep Matthew Lillard as the only human. Um and just admit or, or you have a crush on Matthew Lillard, Tommy. I I mean fuck it. Um but no I'd say or maybe maybe you do the uh Rachel Lee Cook starts the movie off as, as a, a Muppet as a human and then turns into a Muppet. Become, then turns into a Muppet and then that's her makeover. It's like that she's immediately just like walks down the stairs instead of like her in that like dress. It's like her as Miss know. Piggy. There's Miss Piggy or like uh and then Janice. Kiss, kiss me. <laughs> it doesn't mean yeah. Hair blowing <laughs> in the wind. Hair blowing in the wind right there. And Kermit obviously is Zach as Kermit would be big man on campus. Paul Walker would have to be um probably Fozzie. Like Waka Waka, I bet you can't take her to the prom. <laughs> yeah, I, it could be. Or maybe no, I feel like Fozzie would be uh the other guy. Uh, I feel like it would be more of like a Gonzo role to be Paul Walker. You know, just a little bit. Oh more yeah, of a, yeah. <laughs> a little bit more of an asshole. 
Yeah, Gonzo could get the asshole. I mean, I could see Matthew Lillard being uh, Fozzy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, Tommy, review time. Give me your score out of five for She's All That. Uh, this film feels like a nostalgia bomb um, of the late 90s. Uh, this is, I think, one of the better 90s teen movies out there. Um, just really fun, charming performances from um, both uh, Frey Prince Jr. and Rachel Lee Cook. Matthew Lord, I think, is cooking in this movie. And overall, uh, fun, but nothing too remarkable about it. Uh, I'm going to go three out of five. Yeah, I, I'm also in the three out of five camp. And I think it goes from a 2.5 to a three strictly for those first 10 minutes where it was, yeah. I was like, is this going to be the great, is this going to dethrone when Harry met Sally? Like, <laughs> is that even possible? Um, and it never hit that high again for me personally, but it, it follows yeah. all the hallmarks that you want. It's a cool little time trap, time, time trap, time portal, you know, for you to go into time capsules, the word I was looking for there uh to to see what the 90s were like uh in in that one moment in time so it it's it's a cool little movie uh with carried by strong performances all around three out of five um all right tommy anything you want to share before we wrap up today's episode uh got audition for the real world but uh thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast you can listen to uh to us uh um, you can follow us on social media. That's uh, at CNET Pod. That's on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, occasionally threads, very occasionally. Um, and you can leave us a five-star review. Uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, really helps us out, helps us grow the show. Uh, we have a great month coming up in February. We're finalizing the schedule, but you're going to see some real bangers on. So uh, stick around. And thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs>